Well, good morning. I hope you enjoyed the snow yesterday. I sure did. Uh, we thought it was fun, except for the gale force winds. It was a beautiful experience, but we were able to be out in it, traveling to ball games and stuff. But just reminds us of how wonderful it is to live in Arkansas, because probably next week we'll be back in shorts and t-shirts. It's just a crazy time of the year, but how beautiful and good to be in here this morning and the, the warmth and the kind of the, the calmness uh, of this room. And so uh, no matter how uh, crazy life gets, I hope we can find some, some calmness and some uh, anchor points when we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and celebrate our Lord this morning. So we're talking about uh, God's kingdom. And Jesus actually talked more about the kingdom of God than any other specific subject. At least what's recorded of his conversations is more about the kingdom of God than any other subject. And so after his resurrection, he spent 40 days teaching about the kingdom. And the disciples were still struggling about understanding what this kingdom was about and what he was talking about. They couldn't understand it. And so I certainly do not stand before you this morning pretending to be ready to enlighten you with some new revelatory preaching about the kingdom of God. But what I do hope to do is to increase our awareness of God's kingdom and its boundaries and hopefully to regain a focus on our citizenship characteristics and to relieve some of the misconceptions about the kingdom of God. And so someone asked me last week, well, where's this series going? Well, although I do have a projected timeline, I have a game plan. I am not going to share that with you lest you hold me to it. So, nonetheless, what we're doing is laying a foundation right now on which we can eventually dive into some specific characteristics, some specific traits of someone who, who lives in the kingdom. Kingdom actions and, and kingdom attitudes of a resident of God's kingdom. So, uh, there's this Peanuts cartoon that some of you might have seen at some point along the way. Lucy and Charlie Brown are looking out a window, or it made me think of this uh, yesterday, I was when the weather was happening. And so they're staring out a window at a, a torrential rainstorm. And Lucy says, boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? And Charlie Brown says, he quotes God's promise to Noah in uh, Genesis chapter 9. He says, now Lucy, you can read this, but I'm paraphrasing. Lucy, now you know it's not going to happen because God said He's never going to flood the entire world, the entire earth again. And Lucy says, well, you've taken a great load off of my mind. And Charlie Brown says, well, sound theology has a way of doing that. Basically, what he's saying is understanding God has a way of taking a great load off of your mind. And so many believers still over the centuries have been confused and dismayed by all the inaccurate rain forecasts over the years. And that's R-E-I-G-N for those who might listen to this and years to come on the recorded version. But bookstores and web searches are, are filled with, with books and writings about the kingdom of God and when it's going to appear. People have circled dates on a calendar, and we've experienced that over the last few decades with, with folks uh, in, in, even in our generation who have tried to put their finger on when this kingdom of God was going to, to happen. And so keep in mind, though, that those books and those writings replaced earlier books and earlier writings who missed the date. And so you, you keep having to, to update the date if that's what you're looking for. And so there's this certain mystery regarding the kingdom of God and its relation to time and, and to history. And the only way we find meaning to that mystery is through Jesus Christ. And so when we embrace that mystery, we can find meaning for our life as well. 
So God's kingdom has always existed and will always exist. And I hope I pointed out well enough last week or the last couple of weeks how the biblical view of kingdom is where the king's will is carried out. And so it's a realm or a rule. It's not a territory. And so God's realm, His rule, is not bound by property lines. God is king. He has always been king. And He always will be king. And so He's never going to be overthrown. He's never going to to abdicate or give up His position as king. And so God's kingdom is where God is a sovereign, eternal reality. He's sovereign. He's above all. And so in Psalm chapter 10 and verse 16, we read that the Lord rules forever. The nations are driven out of his his land. Psalm 145 and verse 13, your kingdom is an eternal kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. And the prophets spoke about this kingdom or this reign of God. And one in particular is in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, where we read, I was watching in the night visions. And with the clouds of the sky, one like the Son of Man was approaching. He went up to the Ancient of Days and was escorted before Him. To Him was given ruling authority and honor and sovereignty. And all peoples and nations and language groups were serving Him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And so the kingdom of God has never been threatened. And it never will be threatened. There is no dominion in the entire universe that is not ultimately subjective to God's kingdom. The dominion of God. And so He is the eternal King with or without my consent or your consent. So we acknowledge Him as King, but we do not make Him King. God is King with or without us, which is why He can extend an invitation to us to willfully submit to His rule. And so the kingdom of God has always existed. But because of Christ now, you and I have a choice to be a part of, to enter into that kingdom. Which is why the Bible speaks of the kingdom of God needing to be established among mankind. So Jesus of Nazareth was born a king. And while his birth did not bring the kingdom into existence, his birth did bring the kingdom into reach made it available to you and and, and to me and to everyone else. And so Jesus would go around and He would preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God interchangeable in Scripture. The kingdom is now within reach. And so when He taught the disciples to pray, your kingdom come, what He's saying is the reign of God is now available in all areas of life where we had previously excluded it or been excluded from it. And so especially the people of the day, because the religious leaders of the day had made some exclusions for those who could be included in the kingdom of God. And so the evidence of this kingdom come is the life and ministry of Jesus. So Jesus would cast out a demon from a poor man and his opponents would see that and they would say, "Ah, see, look at there. He's working for Satan. He just cast out that demon, so he must be working for Satan. And Jesus would respond to this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. When he realized what they were thinking, he said to them, think about this. He says, think every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed and no town or house divided against itself will stand. So if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, 
By whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has already overtaken you. So Jesus presents his life as validation for his announcement of the availability of the kingdom of God, of God's government now in place eternally. And he's unveiling that. It's always been there. But now he's unveiling it and he's making access available to everyone. So, by the way, he also said his death made it possible to enter the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when you hear people say that the kingdom is coming someday, and someday you will get to enter the kingdom, they're mistaken. The kingdom can be entered right now and enjoyed right now. In fact, it seems that nothing made Jesus matter than those preventing people from entering the kingdom who were really seeking the kingdom rule of God. And the worst violators were the religious leaders, those who were supposed to be leading the people into the kingdom of God. And so as long as religion was institutional, then they called the shots. And that's where they wanted to keep it. But once you spiritualize the kingdom of God then their control dissipates. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. So could there be a worse offense than impeding someone who is seeking the kingdom reign of God in their lives? And there's this great tension that exists between the present reign of God and the prevailing evil that's in the world today. So the prophets saw the coming kingdom of God as as, as something that's going to obliterate these evil kingdoms of the world. And yet they're still here, right? Those evil kingdoms are still here. So if the kingdom of God has come, then why is there still so much evil in the world around us? That's a great question. See, the kingdom is a mystery. In this present life, in this flesh, in our human understanding, there's still a mystery about the kingdom. And that's a big part of it. And so Paul writes in Hebrews that those who are in Christ have been enlightened regarding things of the kingdom. And so in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5, he refers to those enlightened as those who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age. And so right now, you have, we have tasted the power that is coming soon. Not the full helping, just a taste of it. One of the things I love about Baskin-Robbins, and believe me, there are 30 wonderful things that I love about Baskin-Robbins. But one of the things I love about Baskin-Robbins, and other places do this, is when you go in, if, if, if you want to try something, they give you a taste. Anything in there, they give you a taste of A little spoon. Now, it's a little spoon, granted. So sometimes I, I didn't quite get a good taste the first time, so let me try it again. But they, you get a taste of whatever flavor you would like. So it's a tiny spoonful. It's enough to get the taste in your mouth. But it's not enough to satisfy your need for ice cream. (laughs) And so they won't give you more than a taste until you you pay for a larger size. And so when the time is right, you can have the whole scoop. 
So when is that? When is the time right? It's when the transaction has taken place. Then you can have the whole thing. So the kingdom is celebrated as an eternal reality. God has always been king, and you can enter His kingdom right now through Jesus Christ. But, Scripture tells us the kingdom will be fully realized. The transaction will be complete when Christ returns. Because in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul writes, Jesus gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And then he also tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that this present evil age is ruled over by Satan. Satan is the ruler of this present evil age. So we cannot experience the full blessings of the kingdom of God in this present life. We can enter it and we can taste its powers now, but we taste it with anticipation of the age to come, that full inheritance, the full helping of the kingdom. You cannot enjoy fully the kingdom now, primarily because of this body that we live in, because of our bodies. Our body is corruptible and the kingdom of God is not corruptible. And so in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50, Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So you can taste and you can enjoy the blessings of God, God's rule in your life right now. But we will not fully experience the kingdom of God until we get rid of this corrupted body. Which is why Peter can write that if we hold fast to Jesus in this life, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 11, if we hold fast to Jesus in this life, we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so one day, creation is going to see where history has been headed. And that's the realization of the perfect reign of God over the entire universe. And so a day is coming when the whole world is going to see what we already know by faith has happened. And that is God is supreme over all. So Scripture tells us that after the resurrection of Jesus... Certain things are going to happen, right? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 23, Paul writes about this. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then when Christ comes, those who belong to him. And then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. When he has brought to an end all the rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be eliminated is death, for he has put everything in subjection under his feet. But when it says everything has been put in subjection, it's clear that this does not include the one who put everything in subjection to him. Talking about God, God's not in subjection to Jesus. And when all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will be subjected to the one who subjected everything to him so that God may be all in all, all in all. That is sovereign. That is above all things. That's what we talked about last week. So, well, isn't God already sovereign? Did we, did we kind of see that? Yes, God is already sovereign. But at the judgment, there's going to be nothing left to challenge his sovereignty. Nothing left. No one's going to be standing who can utter rebellious words. There's going to be no one else vying for control at judgment. The universe doesn't seem to know this yet, but it will. 
it will then. And we know this to be true, which is why we're here today. We are here by faith that this is true. And so one day there are going to be no more arguments against the supremacy of God. Not a taste, but a full helping of God's supremacy. Our God reigns and his kingdom comes. And so the coming of Jesus is also going to close this time in history when men and women can willfully choose to enter into the reign of God. In this present evil age, God has given all humanity this choice. We have a choice right now whether or not we're going to enter his kingdom reign. And those who subject themselves to this invitation in this eternal existence are going to be assigned to a place where they will be free from the rule of God forever. If you reject God's eternal reign, then God is going to assign you to a place where you can live out that rejection forever. Jesus calls this place hell. And there will not be in hell like there is on earth, the gracious mercy of God. And those who choose the kingdom of rebellion in this life will receive an eternal kingdom of rebellion. And so while it's possible to taste heaven now, it's also possible to taste hell now. And so we experience this rebellion every day. We experience it from those around us. And we experience that rebellion at times within ourselves. But thank God that even though we live in a present evil age, we get to taste some tomorrow today. So in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul writes, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, You may be able with all the saints to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And so through the spirit of Christ, we have this taste today. And so we're filled with this life and this power, life and power to to meet the challenges and the, the demands of this present evil age without being overtaken by the cares of this world. And but that, too, is a choice. That's a choice that we've got to make also every day. But Scripture tells us God promises us we have the strength of his spirit available to us. So when is this present evil age going to come to an end? When's this going to when's God going to take care of all this? Well, Jesus said, nobody knows. <laughs> Jesus said, nobody knows. Not, only the Father. Jesus says, I don't even know. Only the Father knows when this is going to happen. It's a mystery. But there are powerful things that do happen when we embrace this mystery. And, and to embrace this mystery, we must refuse to lose our hope while we're dealing with so many present evils, so much present rebellion. And so it's God's will in this present age, to allow Satan to exercise some measure of authority and power. God is temporarily allowing a limited rebellion to his reign. And you can look at every other Google headline or or watch the evening news story and, and, and see something that can make us feel like God is not in control. It sure doesn't seem that way, does it? And even though God had sent a word of His plan through the likes of the prophets, 
the message can still be confusing, especially when we look around for our mortal minds, for the life we're experiencing now. How can God be in control of all this? Remember John the baptizer. John the baptizer stood at Jesus and pointed to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who, who takes away the sin of the world. John said, Here he is. This is the one that we've been waiting on, the one we've been hoping for. And yet John was put in prison after that. And John experienced the evil of this age. And John sent messengers to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2, he sends messages. When John heard in prison about the deeds Christ had done, he sent his disciples to ask him a question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? I mean, John's got to be thinking, are you sure you're the one? Are you, are you sure you're him? Because I thought when this king came that he was going to get rid of all the evil. But you say you're the king. And as I look through these prison bars... All the evil is still here. That, that's the mystery. God says He is supreme ruler. Christ came and said He is the King. And yet I look every morning through the prison bars of my life at what I am trapped in. And Jesus answered them, You go tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind see, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news proclaimed to them. Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. So John, the kingdom may not seem very real to you right now, but if you have faith in me, in spite of your doubts, you will be blessed. Right now, the kingdom of God is like leaven in a loaf. It's like a mustard seed. It may seem little. It may seem insignificant. You may not even notice it in your life or the world around you, but it is here and it is working. Have faith in that. So in spite of all the rebellion around us, all the rebellion that we see, do not despair. Don't give up. And so Jesus appeared to the Apostle John long after his resurrection. And he told him, you write something to encourage Christians who are going to be struggling in face of such evil resistance. And so in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of the things that you are about to suffer. The devil is about to have some of you thrown into prison, so you may be tested, and you will experience suffering for ten days. But remain faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown that is life itself. Jesus reminds us that God's kingdom will win the day. So there was a documentary about D-Day. And so the, the invasion of Normandy, one of the greatest battles in, in history. And so there was incredible opposition, right? Unbelievable that anyone made it across the beach and up the cliffs among machine gun, mortar fire. There's just barrage of the enemy. And so they interviewed some who were there. Some who participated, some who survived. And, and two in particular. One of them was an infantryman. And so they asked him, they said, you know, when, when, when you dismounted that amphibious craft and you tried to started your approach up across that beach, said, what were you thinking? As you looked out and saw all this around you, what were you thinking? And he said, well, I was thinking there is no way we can win this. Then they interviewed someone else who was a pilot who was providing support from the air above. 
had an aerial view looking down on everything that was happening. And so they asked him, they said, you, as you looked down on the beach and you saw this battle, what were you thinking? And he said, as I saw our troops swarming that beach, moving across that beach, I thought, there is no way we can lose this. Isn't that something? It's perspective. And Jesus wants us to look at this present evil age from a higher perspective. Because even though it may look bad right now, especially when we're, when we're crawling on our bellies across the sand of this life, there is no way the kingdom of God that has invaded this earth can possibly lose. So we join with Paul as he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Now to the eternal King, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. So we do not despair. And all the rebellion against God in this world is temporary. It's temporary. So I've got to choose to live in this world, but not be overcome by this world. Because we're not called to isolate ourselves in secluded societies while we wait this final consummation of His kingdom. We are called to engage this world, but not be entangled by the world. And so this is a difficult tension. It's, it's hard to live with this. It's hard to live among this. But remember what Jesus prayed for us. He prayed this for you. And He prayed it for me. In John chapter 17 and verse 15, He says, Father, I am not asking You to take them out of the world. Don't seclude them from the world. But that You keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So this building is not a place for us to hide from the world. Jesus calls us to engage the world, even though we're not part of this world, just as He did and just as He was. And for us to advance the reign of God into the world as we go. And so the gospel, this good news is that God rules. And through Jesus Christ, everyone who believes, anyone who would believe, can live in His kingdom forever. And that's made possible by the blood of Jesus. But Christians struggle. We struggle with our primary citizenship. So you and I, we do not get our identity from any kingdom of this world. And sometimes I feel like we have this idea that we're primarily American who happen to follow Christianity. And that idea is unscriptural. It's unscriptural. We are primarily Christian who happen to live in America. And so no kingdom on the earth has first claim on you. George Shultz was Secretary of State under Ronald Reagan, and he had a uh, kind of a thing that he did with all new ambassadors who were appointed by the president. And so he would bring them into his office, and he would have had a globe that was in his office sitting there on a the table, and he would send them over to that globe, and he would say, I want you to point to your country. Because he wanted to know, do you ha even have any idea where you've just been appointed, where you're going to be sent to? Do you even know where you're going? He says, you go point to your country. And so one time, Michael Mansfield, who was appointed as an ambassador to Japan, came into Schultz and Schultz said, go point to your country. And Mike Mansfield walked over the globe and he spun it around and he put his finger in the middle of the United States and he said, this is my country. And the point of that is the kingdom of God 
is our country, no matter where we live, no matter where we are sent. We are pilgrims and we are strangers and aliens in this world. We can live anywhere as Christians under any government because our claim is the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, But above all, pursue His kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So then, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. And that is where we receive our identity and our priorities. So we're not waiting to enjoy the kingdom of God because we can taste it right now through Jesus Christ. We live in it right now and we share that news with the world around us. Thy kingdom come. So that's what it means to embrace this mystery. But do you believe? Do you believe in your heart the ultimate destiny of the kingdom of God so completely that you will wrap your destiny up with it? Is the kingdom of God first rule in your life? And if not, why not? God did not create you and He did not create me to pursue our kingdom come. He created us. To pursue His. Are you pursuing God's kingdom reign today? It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts in our hearts and our lives. And if not, why not? Is it because of sin? Is it because of rebellion that you're holding on to? Maybe it's, it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's a way of acting. Maybe it's a, a group of people that you've so attached yourself to that you don't know how to break away from. God calls you to repent to turn away from that, to ask His forgiveness and His strength and, and, and his, his power and His direction, and then to receive that freely. And if you are not a child of God, you have no place right now in His kingdom, but He has a place prepared for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He invites you today. The invitation is still open to be a part of His kingdom but you must come under His kingdom rule. And that's by submitting yourself, dying to yourself in the waters of baptism, just as His Son died. And then being raised up again, just as Christ was raised, as a new person, a new life, a new resident in God's eternal kingdom. The choice is still ours as long as there's breath within us. But the question is, what choice will you make? Has God's kingdom come in your life? And if not, will you make that choice today to allow His reign? We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. If we can help you in any way, will you come as we sing?